Today's episode on intersectionality was recorded at the Working the Intersections of Gender Conference in Edmonton on October 4th with special guest Dr. Amy Kaler. Welcome to Exclusion, a podcast that explores all things equity, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace. Exclusion is brought to you by Canadian Equality Consulting and Biarg Consulting. everyone, Alicia here. Today we are recording our first live interview at the Working the Intersections of Gender Conference here in Edmonton. Hi everyone, um, welcome to everyone that's here in person and uh, also all of the, the listeners on the pod. Uh, this is Marcy and, uh, and we wanted to first of all uh, start by thanking the conference organizers for making this session a possibility. And, uh, and thanks you to our live audience for, uh, for being here and joining us today. So just before we jump in, um, in the spirit of respect, reciprocity, and truth, we acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on the traditional territories and oral practices of the Treaty 6 region. We acknowledge all nations, indigenous and non, who live, work, and play on these lands and to all who assist in their stewardship for generations to come. Okay, let's get started. We have a special guest with us today, Dr. Amy Kaler, a professor here at the University of Alberta. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Now, Dr. Kaler has a PhD in sociology and feminist studies from the University of Minnesota, followed by a postdoctoral fellowship in population studies at the University of Pennsylvania. She has received the Faculty of Arts Research Excellence Award at both at both the assistant professor and associate professor level. Dr. Kaler's substantive research has focused on sexual and reproductive health, especially the cultural, social, and institutional dimensions of public health interventions in both Africa and in Canada. She also works on the functions of religious faith in international development and humanitarian assistance. She has worked in many sub-Sahara countries with colleagues in public health, agriculture, demography, and religious studies. And she has done historical work in Canada. Her work has been primarily qualitative, with an emphasis on open-ended interviews, personal narratives, and textual analysis. More broadly, Dr. Kaler is interested in the unintended consequences of social change. So what are the unexpected and unanticipated results of the things we do to improve our lives and the world around us? She is interested in how people imagine the worlds that they live in, what ideas, values, and visions do we use to interpret our experiences and to strategize our own actions, both individually and collectively. All right now, so let's get started. This is the first annual Intersectional of Gender Conference Uh, This term, intersectionality, will be familiar to many of those in our audience. But for those who are listening, Dr. Kaler, how would you describe intersectionality? Um, Good question. Uh, I should preface my answer by saying... Closer. Closer. Okay, now I'm talking a lot closer. (laughs) 
Um, I should preface my answer by saying that this is me talking, and if you spoke to somebody else, you might get a you know completely different idea. Um, but probably not completely different, but possibly somewhat different. So to me, the simplest way of, of explaining or, or unpacking what I mean by intersectionality is that it's the idea that nothing is ever only one thing. You know, so when I'm walking around in my life as a woman, I'm never just pure woman and nothing else. I'm a, I'm a white woman. I'm a woman with a certain level of education. I'm a woman with a certain um, backgrounds in that give me certain advantages in some contexts and disadvantages in others. And intersectionality, I think at its heart, means that um, people are complex individuals. Situations are always complex. There's always more than one thing going on. You know, there's always, there may be racial dynamics going on, but those are also always gendered. There may be gender dynamics going on, but those are also always influenced by or subject to um, influences of racialization. It people, you know, no intersectionality as a word has come up a lot in the last few years, but it actually is is not like somebody invented it five years ago. Um, I first came across it in reading um, work by some um, African-American feminists in the 60s and 70s, a group called the Kumbahi River Collective. And they were sort of, they were scholars and activists and they brought forward the idea that being a black woman is not just like let's take black and let's take woman and let's kind of stick them together like like Legos or what have you, but that the two things combined to create experiences which were both racialized and genderized. Genderized, it's not even a word. Um, and so I, I had that idea kind of when I first started learning about feminism and thinking about it more. And now I've seen that idea being developed um, by lots of thinkers and becoming something that's sort of escaping from the academic world and becoming part of everyday discourse and uh, organizational life, which I think is great. Thank you. That's a really good introduction to the concept. Now, we want to, we want to make sure that we all keep in mind um, that we understand that at the front here, um, you can see this, but our listeners will not see this, that Dr. Kaler, Marcy, and I all come from a Caucasian background, and this is not lost on us. And we do want to let our uh, visitors here know and our listeners know that this is a platform, this is a media that we want to extend to others. And if you would like to come to us with an idea, uh, we definitely want to explore it, and we want this platform to be for all. Um, so more generally, our podcast explores all things equity, diversity, and inclusion. And intersectionality is an important part of this. But in practice, the concepts of diversity and intersectionality can often be misunderstood or sometimes used interchangeably. Um, can you help um, illuminate, uh, illuminate that and provide some clarity for some of our listeners? Yeah, um, sure. Okay. Uh, diversity and intersectionality. To me, diversity is um, its like a characteristic or quality of a situation or a setting or an organization. It describes the way something is or maybe is not. So if you have an organization or a workplace where everybody looks the same and talks the same and thinks the same, then you have a distinct lack of diversity going on there. Um, so we can look at situations and think of them as they may appear like there's diversity at work here. There's like the whole 
beautiful spectrum of, of human beings represented or maybe not so much. Uh, some people have been excluded. Um, but terms like diverse and diversity, um, to me, that they mainly they describe what is and also maybe aspirationally what should be or what we aspire to. You know, we're not happy with or we ought not to be happy with um, organizations that are lacking in diversity so that there is this thing that we want to work towards. Um, so diversity is, um, it tells you what, you know, that, that's the what about this situation or about this organization or the, this um, institution. Intersectionality is more the how and the why. Um, so people are not, I'm going to kind of slide into organizational theory from sociology here a little bit. This probably won't be new information to your listeners, but people are not distributed randomly uh, throughout organizations or throughout companies um, or workplaces. You know, certain, we have, we talk about pink collar ghettos, we talk about glass ceilings, we also talk about glass elevators. So there's something non-random going on here. Um, Intersectionality is the way that we try to understand how that is happening, how certain people with certain characteristics end up in certain places and other people don't. So intersectional analysis enables us to look at this and, and not just say, oh, that's pretty weird. You know, there, there's everybody up there in management is a middle-aged white guy and the frontline workers, that's where you get the majority of women of color, how, how non-diverse. Um, intersectionality names the tools and the ideas and the means that we have for thinking, okay, how did that come about? You know, what is there that is kind of shuffling certain people into this position and certain people into other positions? And it also um, enables us to think, okay, how do we change that? How do we um, redo our formal or our informal processes so that we don't get this non-random and non-meritocratic sorting of people into places and situations. Thank you. Now, Dr. Keller, in your research, you study the unintended consequences of change. Can you describe some examples of this? Um, sure. I can go back, uh, yeah, to the very beginning to my, my doctoral thesis, which requires a little bit of a sort of global history intro. Um, my doctoral work was a historical study of um, the country that is now known as Zimbabwe that prior to 1980 was known as Rhodesia. And prior to 1980, it was a, a white minority ruled um, uh, colonial. It wasn't colonial technically, but white minority ruled state like apartheid South Africa. Um, so you had this situation where the whites were, the white people who were minority were running everything and the vast majority of people who were uh, black people were were disenfranchised and kicked off their land and so on and so forth. Um, and I w- was interested in birth control. And I was interested in, you know, in the 60s and the 70s when the pill, hormonal birth control was kind of starting to become a thing around the world. How did it enter into this colonial racist society? And what I found, um, and I Think I, you know, I have to thank the white minority of Rhodesia because they, they wrote down absolutely everything, even so I didn't have to kind of guess as to what they were thinking because it's all in the archives. And they saw birth control as a way of suppressing um, 
black African birth rates. There was concern like, you know, the, the black people are having five or six kids each. We're going to be overwhelmed. We're going to be swallowed up. We need to get people to have fewer children. So it was pretty overtly racist in its intent. Um, and the black liberation movement of the time um, was not made up of dumb people. So they, you know, they observed this and grasped this, that this is a, you know, a white um, plot might be too strong initiative to um, destabilize and to harm us. So we had that going on. We had the politics of national liberation where um, birth control was an intrusion and an attempt to kind of consolidate colonial power. But you also had, as I found from talking to older women who'd lived through those times, women who saw the the pill and the Depo-Provera injection come in um, and they were like, I want this. You know, I... uh, colonialism, white people running our world and so on. Yeah, that's all a bad thing. But I want this um, because it will make a big difference in my own individual life if I have control over when I have... um, It's more about timing than about numbers of kids, but if I have control over when I have my next child. So something that was introduced, and I I think I showed pretty convincingly, as... um, a measure for advancing racist ends got taken up by women. Uh, the, many of the men were kind of mad at the women who took it up, but that's a whole other story. Got taken up by women as something that in their, in their individual personal lives, they said, this gives me more power and controlling my own reproduction is what I want to do. So that's rather long-winded. Wow. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good story. Thank you. <laughs> that's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. We also wanted to make sure to ask you about um, the conference. So we're over halfway through on the final day. And what have been some of your uh, most poignant uh, highlights or key takeaways that you'd, uh, that you'd share with others? Okay. Um, well, one of the highlights for me, I'm in the sociology department. And yesterday we had a panel of um, our sociology PhD students who've done field work that connects to gender and intersectionality, um, international. We had people presenting work that they'd done in Turkey, um, that uh, they'd done in Canada, that they'd done in the UK. Um, all our presenters were immersed in their work. You know, So they, this was ethnography where you go and live amongst the people that you want to learn about or very in-depth, open-ended, qualitative interviews. And the connections between these very, very different projects were um, were fascinating and remarkable. So I'm putting in a plug for the <laughs> sociology department at the University of Alberta. Um, I also, this is something that I was not present for, but I heard, heard a lot of people talking about um, the opening address yesterday, um, plenary panel, you know, much like the one right now, um, that consisted all of white people. Someone in the audience says, hey, it's, hard for us to really listen when you guys are all white people. And then um, back and forth, interchanges, um, emotions, um, respect, lack of respect, all of that going on. Um, And I hope, you know, 
that that was a, a learning moment for a lot of people. I think if I had been there, which I wasn't, it probably would have been a learning moment or a reinforcement of learning moment for me. Um, and from what I've just sort of picked up from people, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that are really thinking about that. Yeah, actually, I, I was there in the room, and it was a powerful moment. And it, it, it had positive energy, it had negative energy, but I do think that it had important energy for all of us to, to think about when we're thinking about intersectionality. Um, as we wrap up today, Dr. Kaler, what tips can you give us all as we explore our own social interactions and the interactions of those around us? Okay, um, I would... Okay, I've, I've got two. Um, number one is that it's usually good to listen more than you talk. Um, you will almost never go wrong by, especially in the world of social media where things happen like this, by stepping back for five minutes instead of taking a break and think, do I really need to say what, I'm, what I want to say or what I'm about to say? Um, and sometimes you'll go ahead and say it and sometimes you'll think, yeah, no, maybe I don't actually need to say that. I need to listen more and try to understand what other people are saying around me. And that's especially for white middle-class people like me. Um, we, I think, need to learn more to sort of step back and think, does this thought in my head really need to be, you know, out there in public right at this moment? Uh, or even not in public, even in a conversation. Um, and the second thing, I think, would be to be open to possibility of having your understanding of the world like really disrupted by new ideas and new ways of thinking. Um, I know for me as a feminist that's happened a few times. Um, most recently, uh, you know, it's an anecdote from my life or whatever, over the last, I'd say about five years or so, no more than that, ten years, one thing that I know has really changed from when I was in my, my 20s is the whole um, flourishing of, of trans theory and trans activism and advocacy. And I can remember like the, st you know, the strain on my brain to have to move from an understanding of the world where there's men, there's women, and feminism is about um, women getting their fair share of stuff in the world to thinking, okay, the world is not like that. It's not, you know, this binary thing actually is a fiction. It's literally science fiction, and it doesn't apply. And so my understanding of gender and feminism has to totally change from where it was, um, you know, 20, 15 years ago. And, there, you know, there have been a couple of other things like that where I've realized, okay, something that I assumed was just the way it is is actually not so, and I have to adjust and change my thinking processes rather than just say, oh, no, that's too weird. I don't even want to go there. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. And with that, our, our time is up. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much, Dr. Keller. I know you have to run off, so <laughs> thank yeah. you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for, um, for your stories and for sharing your research with us today. Um, to quickly summarize, a few key takeaways from today's discussion include when talking about intersectionality um, and diversity, that diversity is the what and intersectionality is the how and the why. 
and nothing is ever only one thing. And so, for instance, we may more predominantly or on the surface see gender dynamics at play, um, but there is almost always other dynamics at play as well that are more subtle um, or often ignored by our biases or our blinders that we may have. Um, so looking at one factor alone doesn't, it doesn't effectively tell us the whole story or isn't very effective. And also as we explore our own intersections and those of people around us, um, again, key takeaway is listen more than you talk, have an open mind because these topics can really disrupt your way of thinking and embrace the shades of gray. So i.e. Um, examples uh, such as like gender um, is non-binary and fluid and a social construct and the terms and languages that we use in EDI and in our culture um, are always adapting and changing. All right, so don't forget to check the resource section of our podcast. We hope that the, the links and the, re, uh, the references will be useful for you on your journey on this topic. Once again, you can find us on podcasts or find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Buzzsprout. And please hit subscribe to be notified about new episodes that are being released. And let's continue the conversation. So let us know what you think. Send us your ideas and questions. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we would love to hear from you. And, uh, and thank you to everyone here today who is our first live audience. Yes, thank Woo! you. Good job. Yeah, let them hear you, everybody. Yeah. Woo hoo. <laughs> yeah. See, we're not in my basement today. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, everyone, and goodbye. <laughs>